Trump is exposed before the special master, but then the corrupt judge Eileen Cannon bails him out. Ginny Thomas is deposed by the January 6th committee and reiterates her conspiracy theories that the election was stolen. GOP cruelty grows as red states sue to prevent hardworking Americans from getting student debt relief. A Republican candidate lies about his military service as the Republican Party echoes Russian talking points yet again. And Biden and the adults in the room are delivering for the American people with a lot of good news to report from manufacturing jobs that are soaring than exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Medicare premiums are decreasing. And there is a plan that was just introduced to end hunger by 2030. This is the Midas Touch podcast live. Ben, Brett, and Jordy, I'm coming right back from Italy. Literally, I am right off the airplane swooped right in here, put the headphones <laughs> on, and started this right away. Great to see you, brothers. So you good to see you guys. Are a maniac, Ben. Yeah, ben is a maniac. I don't think anybody really totally realizes that. Break ben, it down, Brett. When Ben says that he actually just got off the airplane, he means that he literally just got off the airplane. Ben <laughs> has been texting us every single step of the way. First off, all these breaking news hits that you've been seeing on our news channel, Ben has been doing while he has been on his trip. Nonstop, nonstop working. I don't know how he does it. And then he flies back from Italy. And this is literally, you're back for what, like 10 minutes? And you are now doing the Midas Touch podcast live. And yes, we are live, live, live tonight with everybody. And we are so excited. Jordy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I want to go one step further. Ben's doing these breaking news hits in Italy about the far-right leader who just took power in Italy while he's in Italy. Like, that is a bold move, my brother. Coincidence? I was there, I was there to see some historical events. Um, unfortunately, not the historical events I would have loved to have seen when I'm in Italy, but the Fratelli d'Italia party or the Brotherhood of Italy party, which is their far right party, took power. Giorgia Maloney is the leader of that party. It uh, arises from the uh, Benito Mussolini regime and reign and the party traces its origins and its logo from that. A real disturbing development there. But also one of the things I noticed as I spoke to a lot of uh, people there, there was just a lot of complacency. You know, it kind of reminded me a lot of the 2016 Clinton Trump elections where people were just like, I don't know whoever wins, wins, whatever. Let's just try to shake things up. And it was that mentality, right? And that complacency. And frankly, that we were a part of at the time. I wish I would have done more in 2016, but Midas Touch arose from the idea of we need to do something to stop it. We <laughs> need to call it out. And one of the things that really kind of reinvigorated me out there is this commitment to do what we're doing here in the United States and start connecting with affiliates internationally to spread this unapologetically pro-democracy. Because as we'll talk about today, these messages are very interconnected, right? This uh, Georgia Maloney strain of right-wing conspiracy theory, pro-Putin, you know, is the same type of thing we're seeing with Viktor Orban. It's the same thing we're seeing with the MAGA Republicans right now. And they look to 
their strong men, quote unquote, are actually the weak, fragile men who are destroying the world and destroying um, the economy with their destruction of the rule of law. And so you see that really exposed out there in Italy. And just so you know, too, we're going to say, Brett, I was going to say it's no coincidence also that there's an alliance forming between all the people you just mentioned. There's basically an alliance between the Putins of the world, the Bolsonaro's of the world, the Orban's of the world, the Maloney's of the world and the Trump's of the world and all of his ilk. Um, that's no surprise that there is this autocratic movement happening across the world and they are tr all kind of working together. And that's one of the scary things. And I think what Italy shows you, and it's been like you were saying about Trump, it's that a very small percentage of people can bring forth autocracy into a nation. Maloney was able to win with a plurality of just about, what, 25% of wild. the votes, the way they work in the parliamentary system there. And think about Trump. Trump's support always hinges at around, what, 25%, 33%. And it goes to show you that complacency is what we have to get past. And it's why we've been pushing for so long, even when the poll said that nobody cared about it. Democracy, 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 democracy. We need to make democracy the issue of this election. So now it's on, yeah, it's on us, but it's on really all of you to have these conversations with your friends and family members. Let them know what's going on around the world and why it's so important that everyone gets involved in these midterm elections. And so if you want to know about this flight that I took and how long it was, it was about eight hours long. So I'm in New York right now. I'm staying at uh, uh, my mom's. Um, the time difference is six hours from here to Italy and it's not. You don't know what time it is right now, admit it. You have no <laughs> idea very, what time it is, what day it is. We're, very we're disoriented. Very on my computer, I have the West Coast time, which is 5.05 p.m. <laughs> showing. It's 8.05 here. It's like 2 a.m. in Italy. So I'm struggling with that. But before I left and I took off to head to Italy, you know, before I took came back from Italy, I saw um, a lot of stuff going on in this uh, court case before the special master and before Judge Eileen Cannon. Right, Brett? And I saw the Trump lawyers objected to a lot of what the special master was doing because the special master ordered that Trump file a declaration under penalty of perjury regarding the, invent the inventory log that the FBI submitted as a condition preceding because it would seem to be a very basic task to ask, right, of Donald Trump's lawyers. Like, hey, can you just uh, have Donald Trump sign a declaration before we review thousands of records? Are these the records that exist? Because Donald Trump's been saying they planted it and all of that. And so Donald Trump filed an objection, which was like an absurd objection, because this was the special master that you asked for. This was the process that you wanted. There's a very distinguished special master who's just saying, hey, you're the plaintiff in a case. You filed a civil lawsuit. So it's not a burden for you to submit a declaration under penalty of perjury to say these are the records. Trump's lawyers objected to that. And, you know, I did a video on that. And every legal observer was like, how absurd is that? And then you had Judge Eileen Cannon, by the time I landed, like granted Trump's objection. And she was like, yeah, why would he ever have to submit an affidavit? She rejected the recommendations of the special master, the distinguished former chief judge of the Eastern District of New York who she brought into the process, who simply said, submit a declaration under penalty of perjury, please, so that we could determine if these documents are the real documents. She said, you don't have to do that. She then also said, oh, let's let this process drag on until December. 
And then she also said, I'm going to be the one who's going to decide about if there should be a return of property issue. Why would there be Judge Reinhardt, the magistrate judge, who's the judge who issued the search warrant? I'm going to be the one to decide what's called Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 41G motions. And so those were the three findings that she that she made today, which just kind of came. I mean, like we knew that she was corrupt. We knew that she was um, like in Trump's pocket, but like this takes it to a whole new level. And Ben, not not to turn this into an episode of Legal AF here, which is another great podcast that y'all should tune into, hosted by Ben <laughs> Mycellus. Uh, nice plug. Yeah. Why why is she allowed to do this? Like, what is the rational? What's the reason? Why does she have say that 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 she, that this is now the law? Well, she's a district court judge and district court judges are vested with a lot of power. And one of the things that she did is she asserted that she had equitable jurisdiction, which should be wielded in extraordinary circumstances to ultimately hire this special master. But the special master basically works under her. All a special master mm. can do is make recommendations and she could accept or reject those recommendations. And here she rejected the recommendation that you file, a de- which is completely wild. But here's the thing why people shouldn't be worried. The Department of Justice filed the key appeal with the 11th Circuit. They've got their 100 classified records back. They're pursuing their criminal investigation. So the import of all of these proceedings before the special master are relatively meaningless after the 11th Circuit wrote this scathing opinion, which basically all but called Judge Eileen Cannon an idiot because they don't (laughs) use those terms. But they said it's self-evident that a former president can't steal top secret compartmented information and claim a possessory interest, nor has Donald Trump ever even made the claim that he has a possessory interest. But I still would have liked to have seen this declaration under penalty of perjury because Donald Trump was really trapped in the corner here because he's the plaintiff in the case, again, who brought the lawsuit. The special master, Judge Raymond Deary, said, put up or shut up. File an affidavit under penalty of perjury. You want to go and do your stupid fascist circus cosplay rallies? You want to, okay, do a declaration under penalty of perjury. And Judge Eileen Cannon, such a hack, goes, he doesn't have to do that. Why? He brought the lawsuit. Because she is pretending, not pretending, she is acting like his defense attorney. She is Donald Trump's best defense attorney. She is honestly no different, except she has actually actual power than like the all these Trump lawyers that we see on TV. She, that's how she is behaving. She is his stooge. Sydney Powell. She's, she like she's Sydney basically Powell. Sydney Powell on the bench. And I mean, luckily, I'm, I'm happy you said that about the 11th Circuit, though, because I think it's important that people know that Wallace is not not important. Uh, all the important, the truly important things are still going underway. DOJ is still looking mm-hmm. at all the confidential documents, which is really the most important aspect of all this. So in a way, all this is a bit of a sideshow. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like Cannon is really just exposing herself as this corrupt, inexperienced judge. And when I look at it, I can't help but start thinking like, you, you know, we know about her family connections to other people in these right wing movements. You can't right. help but think like who's kind of controlling behind the scenes and and kind of, you know, pulling the strings a little bit and telling her what to do here to protect Donald Trump. And not to get and here's the thing, though, she's not smart <laughs> about the process and what she's going to force the Department of Justice to do, which they haven't yet. They just filed a very narrow appeal on the issue of the 
top secret classified records because that's what they said would have caused irreparable harm. So they basically asked the 11th Circuit to stay or stop her order pending an overall appeal of her even claiming that she has equitable jurisdiction in the first place. Now, based on the 11th Circuit's analysis of why she shouldn't be able to assert equitable jurisdiction over the classified records, that same analysis would apply to her asserting equitable jurisdiction at all. Well, I always get the comments and questions. Why does she have jurisdiction? She doesn't. She just claims she's like she went rogue and claims she had jurisdiction. But I think what the Department of Justice is going to do soon, though, too, is they're going to file, I think, an appeal on overall appeal on just her having jurisdiction and lay it out again. And she's going to be completely divested of this process. But the Department of Justice at this point is like, look, we've got our classified records. We're pursuing our criminal investigation. We're good. Whatever's going on in the special master is a sideshow anyway. And the wheels of justice turn. Right. Does that then go to the 11th Circuit? Like, what, what's the next step? Where do they go? And then the 11th Circuit would make a determination about Eileen Cannon? Yeah, because the appeals take longer than that motion for an emergency stay that they filed. And the appeal just takes a little bit of time. But the 11th Circuit now knows the issues because they've already addressed them as it relates to the stay. And so they've already found, based on how they have to analyze it, that there's a probability of success on the merits that there is no jurisdiction by Judge Eileen Cannon in the first place. So ultimately, I think that that's what the Department of Justice is going to do. I just want to reiterate for those just joining us that Ben is on absolutely zero hours of sleep and is breaking all this down right now live. This is incredible. I'm not looking at the comments. Are the comments recognizing that I look like super tired? (laughs) No, no, no. no, You look tired. Everyone's saying you look fantastic. I just want to reiterate. In fact, people are asking the question, when does Ben sleep? I truly do not understand when Ben sleeps. That is a common comment. You know that I'm actually a little (laughs) bit tired here because I rarely, you know me, I'm a tea drinker. When I break out my uh, soda habit, you know I'm I need I a little a little bit of sleep. But but we mentioned Sidney Powell. You know uh, we put Eileen Cadden, Sidney Powell, who I also put in that ilk, and I love the word ilk is Ginny Thomas. Um, and Boy. Ginny Thomas, I mean the fact that you have. And I don't give her a pass that, oh, it's just the wife of the Supreme Court justice. It's like the people who try to give Donald Trump's kids a pass. Oh, they're just his kids. They're just his children. Yeah, they run the company purportedly. Like they're literally one 40 years old. They're they're adults. They're not children. Right. Um, and I put them in that category. Brett, what do you think? No, I mean, I think what we saw today is really just a person who's been flouting the law all this time. Like Ginny Thomas is literally the wife of a Supreme Court justice. Uh, Yes, she wasn't under oath today, apparently, but she spoke to them for three and a half hours. And guess what? It is still actually illegal to lie to Congress, whether you are under oath or not. Let's be clear about that. Benny Thomas said that Ginny Thomas continued to spread the big lie in this meeting, continued to double and triple down on this notion that the election was stolen. When asked for proof, she did not provide any. I am very curious to see at the next hearing, which apparently is not going to be next week at this point. They're still trying to figure out a date. I'm excited to actually see the clips from this hearing. I think when they play the clips from this hearing, it will show just absolutely how batshit 
crazy Ginny Thomas actually is. And I think it's important. Like we should almost read some of the comments yeah. that Ginny Thomas wrote to Mark Meadows. Read those because, text messages. Because this is not in the realm of like, oh, she had some questions and she just wanted to ask them. Like this is truly QAnon, like as deranged, like think about the craziest comments that you've ever seen on social media on your Facebook page. And now imagine that that is the, coming from the wife of a Supreme Court justice, who's not only the wife of a Supreme Court justice, but somebody who has a lot of pull in right wing circles and is connected to all these right wing think tanks. And Brett, Here's so she runs a consulting company, Liberty Consulting. Um, and basically what she does is she sells access to Clarence Thomas. He then doesn't declare all of the money that she's making, which he's obligated to do. And then I, I, I did, a I think on our legal? legal AF, we showed the study where over 53 or 54% of the amicus briefs submitted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, that ultimately led to the Dobbs decision were filed by Ginny Thomas related groups. That That's was a crazy. staggering stat over 54% of all of the briefs submitted to the Supreme court. Nuts. Anyway, let me read these texts. These are real text messages. I am not making them up that Ginny Thomas sent to Mark Meadows after the 2020 election. Here's one. Help this great president stand firm, Mark. You are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. Another text. Do not concede. It takes time for the army who is gathering for his the back. army. The army. Uh, I mean, we're getting into QAnon, like very weird lingo. You know what? Okay. Mark, don't want to wake you, Thomas wrote. Sounds like Sydney and her team, Sydney Powell, are getting inundated with evidence of fraud. Make a plan. Release the Kraken. Something literally Ginny Thomas wrote. Release the Kraken and save us from the left taking America down. Anybody who's speaking about Americans like that, that close to the Supreme Court, is extremely dangerous. And I saved the craziest for last, which is straight out ripped from the pages of QAnon. Biden crime family and ballot co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media reporters, etc., are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo, as in Guantanamo Bay, to face military tribunals for sedition. It's a cult. She's in a cult. It's QAnon. I mean, it's scary. You are, honestly, you would almost feel you would feel bad for a person like this if they weren't so close to this position of power in the United States that is affecting so many Americans, like you can't feel bad for her because there are real consequences to her actions. Let's watch the video of her walking into the hearing because I just think it adds like a weird kind of eerie layer, layer to this all. Let's play the clip. Ms. Thomas, why do you feel like you need to speak to the committee to clear your name? Thank you for being here. Did you speak with your husband about your beliefs of the election being stolen? Thank you for your question. I look forward to answering members. So that's Ginny Thomas being questioned by a reporter. I, honestly, that's like you put some horror music behind that. It's a horror movie right there. So and she it, was actually in a cult in the 1980s right. called uh, Lifespring. Um, and she went from one cult to QAnon. I mean, she's full-fledged in QAnon. You also need to remember, Brett, she was sending 
uh, emails to all of the state legislators as well, telling them to become fake electors. And she said, we need to submit, quote unquote, clean electors. And that was part of the scam and the scheme that's currently being investigated by the Department of Justice and Phony Willis out in Georgia. Um, but you know how people have tells not to interrupt you, but to interrupt you, you know how people have like tells when they're lying. Well, if you watch that clip and I've watched that clip probably a hundred times today, she doesn't actually blink in that clip until she starts to say, I'm excited to answer questions in front of the committee. It's like, it's very obvious. And again, like that, like that's I'm not sure if that's who, a tell there. I think there was something else going. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's someone who's genuinely not like, a well, perpetual at tell. the same time, like she can't be this close to a position of power in the United States. It's, it's terrifying to see it play out in real time like that. Yeah. And then you have like somebody like Justice Alito going around and is just like complaining. Why does everybody think the, the Supreme Court is illegitimate? I cannot for the life of me think why anybody would have criticisms of the Supreme Court or be questioning. Well, while the he's speaking, he's, he's saying this to Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal while he's saying it without even <laughs> yeah, self-aware. Why would saying, anyone think I'm legitimate? We're, we're illegitimate as I'm <laughs> giving an exclusive to the Wall Street Journal with Rupert Murdoch right now. I'm spending my time as a Supreme Court justice speaking to wall street journal come on and, and this is also after he went remember when he went abroad and gave that speech basically just was that flat in out. Italy? did he give it in front I of think the it was, I, day italia i i think, I think he I'm not gave sure it was at like a church in front of the right-wing party like i didn't connect the dots there but i think he was front in front of the fratelli he definitely gave it i think in rome at a church uh-huh. And he was mocking Americans who were upset with the Roe decision then. So he's a person who has made this court extremely, extremely politicized. And I mean, just think about the story that we just told you, the clip we just showed you of Ginny Thomas. Then think about Justice Alito whining to the Wall Street Journal that people are questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. And just the fact that he can't acknowledge why Americans would be so upset with the Supreme Court right now, to me, that in and of itself speaks incredible volumes. I mean, and you only have to look at recent history to see how the Supreme Court was corrupted. I mean, we all saw how Mitch McConnell delegitimized the entire court. And the Supreme Court is not above reproach. They are nine unelected officials with some of the most power in the entire country. There has to be accountability here. These aren't monarchs we are dealing with. And if they're unelected officials, we have to have a way to be able to voice our opposition and voice our feelings. That's we live in America. We should be able to do that without being told that we're overreacting here. They stole the seat from Merrick Garland. You know, that wound is still very raw in this country. Uh, they ended up then using, but totally putting their logic aside for the reasons that they uh, didn't let Merrick Garland logic get the seat, the saying it was an right. election year. They then forced in the unqualified Amy Coney Barrett just days before the 2020 election. Then they went ahead and stripped away a constitutional right that has been in this country for decades for decades, after all the people on the court, every single justice who voted against it, who, who struck down Roe, had said in their statements, yes, Roe is the law of the land. We're not we going to touch precedent. court we will precedent. precedent. And, and they have the nerve now to go, I don't understand why anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the court. No, it's the worst. But, and, and so you have that what's going on in the court. We talked about what was going on internationally with Italy. And we talk about what's going on with one of the Supreme Court justices' wife. I, I want to talk about these radical MAGA extremist politicians, though. And let's focus on two things. First, let's just talk about 
this is kind of the low hanging fruit because we did the Youngstown, Ohio, Trump fascist cosplay circus rally where J.R. Majowski or Majewski, he started off, he goes, I'm going to turn the Green New Deal into a big brown turd. I'm like, what a guy. who is this? I'm like, I didn't realize that was him. That you was know him. the same goes, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to turn it into a turd. And I'm like, who the, who the hell is the guy? What else did he say in the intro? He said something else. Like, he said, like, he's got he like, said he had uh, eagle, bumps. eagle bumps. And then Brett told him he should probably goes, get those. Ooh, I like these eagle bumps all over me. We don't get goosebumps on stage. Get we get eagle, eagle bumps. bumps. And he made his, his pronoun joke. My pronouns are kiss my ass. He did like the whole Ted Cruz thing. That's how he let it off. So he kicked it off with that hilarious joke that Republicans like to make. And so they touted him as like, this is like our centrist MAGA, whatever candidate. The guy's like, he fits every profile, like the biggest liar, stolen valor in the world, right? He claimed first off that he was a combat veteran in Afghanistan. This was a major part of his story. He centered his entire campaign around this, but the records show that he was actually never in combat. He was actually a plane loader and cutter, which by the way, Thank you for, you know, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's still, it, a, it, about you worked for the military. I think no matter what your job is, I think you should be praised for doing service for this country. But you, but he made his whole campaign that he was a combat veteran in Afghanistan. And then he basically said, um, what do you say? He goes, it wasn't in my personnel file because it was classified. In other words, he's been talking about classified information and breaching classified information publicly. Yeah. But obviously so that's he, not true. Obviously it's not true. The he Republicans to just get behind the guy because why not? You know, he's saying things we like. Why do our due diligence? Why check him out? Let's just go with him. We like him. I don't understand why he couldn't just declassify those records with his mind, though, Ben. He can't why, do telepathic <laughs> mind I mean, he control. He can't, can't just be like, well, I wanted to show you these records. In fact, I just figured out a way. No, 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 no. Let me telepathically communicate it to Cash Patel, who, by the way, Cash Patel is like literally signing QAnon cards and like publishing them on it. Like that's how deep for down the rabbit books, dude for kids books, for kids book, QAnon kids books, Unbelievable. literally where he's saying where we go, one we go all for QAnon kids book to these people. And then the other thing um, Majeski said, I learned my ABCs too. in elementary school. I don't learn my cues. That's all I know. <laughs> Right. And Majewski was also told <laughs> that he could not re-enlist in the Air Force after his initial four years were up. And many wondered why. And Majewski's campaign said last week that he was, uh, this is what they went with, that he was punished and demoted because he got into a bar brawl like a real man at the end. <laughs> people are so ridiculous. Ridiculous. They went with bar brawl. Like they're the everything they do is a freaking lie. It's a parody. The military records show that this was a lie. He was punished uh, because he was stopped for a DUI on a U.S. air base in Japan in September 2001. And so he had a DUI. That's why he, he didn't reenlist. And he made up a bar brawl story and a combat veteran story. <laughs> and, and look, one of the issues with all of this MAGA Republican, I want to take this, you know, Majewski is a freaking joke, this guy, but there's a real serious issue here at stake. And this is when these MAGA policies and their focus on talking about, uh, you know, uh, CRT and this and that, and just making up and going after Disneyland versus actually helping people, you know, and we see this right now, particularly with Hurricane Ian. And again, my thoughts with everybody out there, I saw 
you know, some of those videos. I mean, it's, it's horrific what was going on. As you delve deeper into uh, some of the politics and policies behind them, the property insurance industry in mm -hmm. Florida um, has basically completely collapsed. And DeSantis's response to it completely collapsing and people really unable to get insurance premiums are like five, $6,000. A lot of people can't even to, get it. People can't even get it. Was rather than to solve the problem, right? Because I guess solving problems is woke. That's what the woke lefties do. We try to get people insurance. What a the woke, woke people. They want to use their brains. We want intellectual to woke, things. <laughs> what a woke crazy concept that we, uh, we, but what they would do is they would like, they would like mock the rating agencies, like the same way Trump would just like go after Fauci. Like that's the MAGA Republican. Yeah. They would like criticize and yell at the insurance companies. Um, uh, the, the ratings agencies rather than solve the problem. So basically, they would want to help the insurance companies not actually try to solve the problem. But with the rating agencies, they would go, oh, the reason that we're getting downgraded is because the rating agencies, like you're giving us the wrong grade. Screw you. And there have been many, many, many articles leading up to Hurricane Ian raising this issue and raising the problem. But again, not addressing it at all. Instead, kidnapping asylum seekers in Texas, in Bear County, and shipping them on these PR stunts, torturing them and sending them to Martha's and By the way, Vineyard. for tens of millions of dollars, like that, they're not shipped away for free. That comes out of the state budget often. That is money that could have gone towards solving this issue and towards rebuilding after these storms. But instead, it was used for these political stunts. I think that's an important thing to, yeah, to well, note Look as at well. their leaders down there in Florida. You, ha you have DeSantis, you have the Gateses of the world. I mean, these are horrible, horrendous people. And it's yes. true. They just deflect, guys. They just deflect and deflect and deflect. And they're, while they're shouting all the Mr. Potato Head, CRT, Disneyland, while they're doing all that to rile up their people, DL in the background, what you're not seeing is them actually not solving any of these issues. The rents are soaring. The insurance is soaring. And they're not doing anything at all to help those problems. So people are suffering, but they're distracting them by going, oh, but did you see Disneyland, those groomers? Let's protest Disneyland. Let's take away their rights. And that's kind of like, oh, let's not say gay in oh, schools. Is, oh, right. this, this is the new one. This is the new one. Why is Lizzo playing the historical flutes? Yeah, yeah. The flute that they didn't even know existed like 48 hours ago is now the world's biggest uh, controversy in the right wing ecosystem. And it's all just manufactured controversies. Like it's all just made up stuff. Obviously, everything it's, it goes without saying, yeah. but obviously for, for, for those was, who don't know, like Lizzo, she'd be <laughs> like she visited. Was it the Library of Congress uh -huh. or one of the historical sites that keep these like historically preserved flutes? And she played a more modern track on the flute. And because she played it, all of the right wing MAGA like podcasts and stations were like, that was a really offensive to our country, to our integrity. That is making uh, the people who like shit on the walls of the Capitol are all of a sudden upset about like a trained musician. Playing Literally, Brett, the people who take their 
freaking – we have so many people watching. I don't want to get them a bad taste in their mouth. But they literally take their feces. They throw it on the Capitol. They, like, piss in it. And then they're like, how dare she play the freaking flute? I mean, that's who these bag of people are. Though. And, and you know they're not really upset about any of this. It's all fake outrage. It's all just phony. They know that it's going to get them clicks. They know that it's going to have give them something to talk about in their whatever sort of chats they do. I don't like, think the podcasters are actually angry, but they get their base angry for sure well however their base can feel like victims because that's part of it like right the more they feel like a victim oh so whoa pitting versus actually solving the problem remember this too though about uh desantis right desantis as a congressman and senator marco rubio both had voted against disaster relief for victims of hurricane sandy like uh, that's just how cruel those people were i don't want to you know and, and no, look, don't let that get lost. I forgot, by the way, that DeSantis was like a congressman for a while, which is weird when you think about it for this reason. What accomplishments have you ever heard of Congressman Ron DeSantis? What good <laughs> have you like? Think about right now. What good did he do for the country when he was in Congress? We like never even heard the guy's name until he ran for president and did the kind of build the wall corny ad with his kids and then took over Florida and turned it into what it is now. Um, but you have that. You have Rubio and DeSantis actually voting against Hurricane Sandy funding, which as a native New Yorker really pisses me off that anybody. I mean, it's like, you know, it, 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 it pisses me off in the way that, you know, when these people don't try to help 9-11 responders, you know, when people are in trouble, when people are suffering, that's when the government needs to step up and help out. When we are in crisis, we come together as Americans. That's always how it's been. That's always how it should be. And you have these shameless, disgusting people going, oh, well, that's the liberal elites in New York. We're not going to help them, which, by the way, couldn't even be further from the truth about most of the people who live in the state of New York, but they just let them rot and suffer. And meanwhile, you get a guy like President Biden. Biden, before anything even happens, approves emergency funding for Florida instantly, speaks with all the mayors. He contacts DeSantis. He speaks with DeSantis, even though DeSantis was going on Fox News and whining. He hasn't talked to me yet. He hasn't talked to me yet. Biden talked yeah, to him. While like, DeSantis was whining, Biden was actually, you know, getting things done and leading. Yeah, he was dealing with all the local officials and and making sure that they had what they need and making sure that FEMA was prepared to take on the storm before anything even happened. And you have DeSantis going on where else? Is he going on local Florida TV to brief them on what's happening? I mean, yeah. he, he might have. I don't know. But where is he spending most of his time? He's spending most of his time on Fox News, going on Hannity, going on Tucker. And it's just such a contrast to what we've also seen, like with the Trump administration, where when you saw Puerto Rico just devastated by storms. What did he do? He flew down there. He threw paper towels at them. He really didn't help them at all. And when the mayor of San Juan called him out and said, we need more relief, we need help. What did he do? Did he say, oh, thanks for giving me your input. We're going to help you with the federal government because at the federal government, we are we know that we are all Americans, whether you voted for me or not. We're going to expedite that aid to you. No, he attacked the mayor of San Juan. He's made it his mission to just viciously attack her on Twitter, on TV. That was his reaction to the storm. When you have Biden actually just being a leader and caring for people, and we're seeing this time and time again as natural disasters strike the entire country. What else was Tucker Carlson talking about, though? when DeSantis went on, like right before, right around that time period. You know what he was talking about, right? He no, was what? spreading the dis... Well, I mean, he was probably... He wasn't talking about the sexy green M&Ms. You know, he wasn't talking about Mr. Potato Head. That was a few months back. But something <laughs> far more insidious. He was accusing... 
the United States of engaging in sabotage of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, which the authorities in Europe have basically all but said for certain the sabotage came from Russia to try to literally harm uh, the NATO countries in the uh, surrounding area. People believe that the Na- Russian Navy ships were spotted near the Nordstrom leak sites, which is causing significant problems in that area as part of the false flag operations that were um, being created. But Brett, let's play if you can, because what Tucker Carlson was saying was being reiterated. Perhaps you want to talk about what Charlie Kirk was saying as well. Yeah. Well, first, I'm just going to say, like, it's interesting how or it's not very interesting, but let's be real. Every single time we see a story come out and there is a Russian side to the story and there is a side that the entire Western everybody from intelligence services to the media to the United States government get behind. Every time we see that, where do Republicans choose their allegiance? They always take the side of Russian propaganda 100% of the time and they make it their mission to amplify and Brett, they were saying It's it's like you're following the stock markets. It's a trend line. They'll always follow Russian propaganda. And Tucker and Charlie Kirk and all these MAGA extremists, not only were they accusing the U.S., they said that the U.S. is guilty until proven innocent, number one. But then they suggested ways that Russia should retaliate against America. I mean, they're full-fledged traitors. Like, it's not even... It's it's not even a close call. Like this is the most anti-American, vile stuff. That they Should we play Charlie Kirk McGurk? McGurk? Yeah. Play Charlie Kirk McGurk, which is exactly echoing what Tucker Carlson. And apologies in advance for having to listen to his voice. If this was an act of the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, which again is just speculation, it's very important. How does that get us closer to peace? Is this a potential midterm election? Operation, pure speculation. I'm asking a question. I know Media Matters will have a heyday with this. Is this a wag the dog situation where they want us talking about a war in Europe when we have inflation, border problems, and the economy? Is this because that there is a looming red wave here? Is this an underwater October surprise? I don't know. But I certainly don't trust our government, the government that lied about the origins of the Chinese coronavirus that lied about the mRNA gene-altering technology, that lied about the efficacy. All right, I'm done with that. Uh, uh, wow. I, I can't believe he moved it into COVID. I don't even think I ever got that far into the clip. Why does everyone on the right want to do a bad Tucker Carlson impression? I mean, it's Jenna so Eller, like everyone always wants to just into, like like try and be Tucker, and it's just such a weird thing to... I don't know. You know who really does it too is that Benny Johnson guy who's on like like you watch him and you're like, are you like trying to imitate Tucker? I almost called him Tucker. So weird. Uh, So weird, man. These these people are such they're such losers. It's really truly anti-American, and they wrap it in this whole speculation. I'm just asking questions here. Just a question. Don't be afraid of questions. I'm just raising the issues. And it's like, no, you're you're purposely putting forth propaganda to try to put forth a narrative which coincidentally sarcastic obviously aligns exactly with the russian line i mean every single time they're, and they're all coordinating it too so at the same time you have that happening trump's going on those networks at all and he he tried this line out at his uh at at, at the most recent rally and it was like just one of the most like disgusting like 
eyebrow raised. Like, wh- what did he say? And he's like, I- I'm going to talk about the N-word over in Russia. I'm going to talk about the N-word. And uh, that's nuclear. That's nuclear. I'm talking about the Russian nuclear. And he's then gone on and said that like multiple times, basically saying that Russia wants to use, you know, its nukes. And then he went on and gave a on his social media. This is what he said. He, he, he says that he wants to be the one to mediate between Russia and Ukraine after his previous idea was to extort Ukraine not deprive Ukraine of all of its weaponry that it basically, you know, you know, needed and to basically carve it up to give all of the land directly to Russia. That was Trump's plan while he was in office. Unfortunately, Biden won, but he goes, this is what Trump said on the social media platform. U.S. leadership would remain cool, calm, and dry on the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. This is a big event that should not entail a big solution, at least not yet. The Russian-Ukraine catastrophe should never have happened and would definitely not have happened if I were president. Do not make matters work with the pipeline blow-up. Be strategic, be smart, brilliant, get a negotiated deal done now. Both sides needs and want it. The entire world is at stake. I will head up group. I mean, but also just you notice the language that he says too. The Russia-Ukraine catastrophe should never happen. Russia unlawfully invaded Ukraine. Like he, he acts like it's just some natural event. Is Russia? You it just happened. It's just this catastrophe. It. As if it's wants the hurricane. To be the one to me. Yeah. And and the fact is, is that we, we all know at this point what that actually means, right? If he yeah. is actually mediating this process, it means he's going to do exactly what he tried to do with Zelensky when he got impeached over it. He would try to extort Zelensky for whatever he wants at the time. He would try to then concede all the land that Russia wants from Ukraine and just give it to them. And then basically strong arm Zelensky and strong arm Ukraine into saying, we're not going to provide you with weapons. So you could either take this deal or you could leave it. Then Russia would overrun Ukraine. And inevitably, they would then try to take more land than they were even offered in the deal. Then they would continue through Europe, and then you have a true World War III situation. I mean, it's pretty obvious what Trump would have done in this situation and why he says, oh, it'd be so easy. Yeah, because you would have given away everything to Russia. It's very, very, very obvious what your move is in this situation. A lot more to talk about here on the Midas Touch podcast. Hey, everybody, if you love supporting independent media like this, we're not funded by any outside investors. We're powered by democracy and fueled by you. You could join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. There's a number of exclusive benefits there, including in one of the packages, you could become a producer of the Midas Touch podcast, get postcards for me and my brothers. We also have exclusive podcast content and behind the scenes footage there as well. And we'll be naming our producers at the end end of the show as always yeah, but check us out at patreon.com slash Midas touch help keep this purely independent um, and also make sure you hit the subscribe button right now and that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel and for all those watching this on YouTube or video make sure you please go to uh, wherever you get your audio podcast and make sure you download this on audio you subscribe on audio podcast as well and leave a five star review and also make sure you check out the Midas Touch merch store will you store.midastouch.com get official Midas gear at store.midas 
lightestouch.com. We've got the row, row, row your vote shirts. We got Rovember, which is the rallying call for this November. Truly is the rallying call right Absolutely. now. This November. We also have the Convict or Convict 45 shirts. That's store.midastouch.com. And again, the other address was patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Brett, speaking about Roe Weber, did you see this clip of Doug Mastriano um, and what he was uh, caught saying? Yeah, this was absolutely disgusting. Um, this was an interview from, I believe it was from 2019 that leaked, I, th I believe it was yesterday, where Doug Mastriano said the inevitable end of all of these policies that Republicans are pushing. He said, if there is an abortion ban, do you think that women should go to prison for murder? Should they be charged with murder if they have an abortion? Because it's going to be illegal. So if you're going to do that, should they go to prison? And he said, yes. Shall we play the clip? Let's play it. It's like, let me pull it up. We're live now, guys. So, you know, it's all. <laughs> oh, Brett, but you were the one who said, let's play. Shall we play the clip? I, mean, I, think <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, 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 I want to clarify it. something. He wasn't caught saying this. It's not like he was at his dinner table saying this. Like he just. He yeah, just Jordan, laid down the law. All right. All right. Mastriano. Mastriano. Play the clip. Okay. But, so my question is, you know, would. And again, you can give me a yes or no on this. Would that woman who decided to have an abortion, which would be considered an illegal abortion, be charged with murder? Okay. Let's go back to the basic question there is that a human being is that a little boy or girl if it is it deserves equal protection on the law so you're saying yes yes i am i mean there's no room there for other any other interpretation other than yes i mean he would lock women up for murder i mean that's that's it jordy is rocking his shapiro for governor tote bag yeah i mean that's why it's so important that pennsylvania does elect josh shapiro who's somebody who's going to stand up for abortion rights and is going to stand up for democracy against this really radical extremist doug mastriano who's a literal january 6th insurrectionist this is a a really dangerous guy who does not want to accept the results of elections where republicans don't win them um he doesn't believe in democracy frankly and he wants to send women to prison and i think it's important to note that like whether you realize it or not there is a woman in your life who has had an abortion like, mm -hmm. I, I, I promise you that because the stat will actually surprise you. But one in four women in their lifetime will get an abortion. So think about that and think about how hard those decisions can often be for people. And now think about the fact that you have somebody like Doug Mastriano who wants to run a state, who wants to run the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You have somebody like that who wants to lock these women up, who wants to throw them in jail. Your wives, your mothers, your daughters your friends, your family, anybody you know wants to throw them in prison for getting health care. That's not the America I want to live in. That's all I know. Brett, did you see the floor speech Wednesday night by uh, Representative Elisa Slotkin, the uh, Democrat from Lansing? Um, it was a speech that's now been viewed millions of times um, where she really condemned her Republican colleagues for threatening to vote down her bipartisan Solid Start Act. And what the Solid Start Act is, is a bill to connect veterans with the Department of Veterans Affairs as they transition to civilian life. And there was a pilot program of it, but this bill would make it uh, permanent. And what the Republicans were objecting to was a 16-word provision of the bill that said the following that it would ensure that the VA, quote, 
provided women veterans with information that is tailored to their specific health care and benefit needs. That's what it said. This 16-word provision that they were objecting to and saying that they did not want to support this ability of the VA to help veterans transition to civilian life, they, they wanted to strike language about providing women veterans with information that is tailored to their specific health care and benefit needs because they viewed that that language would be providing reproductive health care and they wanted a total abortion ban. And so uh, there was just this uh, really inspiring, sad, tough, but powerful speech by Elisa Slotkin, who called out these Republicans and said, you want to really have a conversation about this? Let me explain to you what the real issues are here as you're playing with the lives of women veterans and women in general. And you want to cower behind these fake labels and these fake names. Let's really talk about what this issue is here and what you're denying. But how sick is that, that that's what the Republicans were denying? And that's what we're dealing with as we approach these midterms. Mm -hmm. The stakes cannot be higher. And, you know, connecting all elements of this pocket, I want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene in a little bit. But these are people who say that when they take power, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to defund the FBI. They're going to defund the Department of Homeland Security. They're going to defund the Department of Education. They're going to shut down the government, just have total government shutdowns. They're going to um, uh, take away Social Security. They're going to take away Medicare. They're going to increase prescription drug prices. And this is not fear mongering. Right. You know, I, 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 it, it, I hate it. And I don't like to use that word, but I hate it when mainstream media was like, that's fear mongering or, uh, but they're not saying necessarily that they are going to absolutely repeal social security. It's like, if you listen to them, yes, it is what they are saying. You know, it's the same thing where they were like, where you would go, well, Justice Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, they didn't say that they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. They said it was precedent. So I'm going to fact check you, Midas Touch Network, and say that you're calling them out unfairly because all they're saying is that they don't want to make it mandatory and they want to turn it into discretionary. And yeah, sure, when they make it discretionary, they could revoke the rights and just make you know, people beg for their social security every year and, and likely take it away because they're calling it an entitlement and that people don't deserve it. But let's just trust them that they actually do not want to do it. It's like, listen to what they're saying. Listen to their actions. It's self-evident to quote the 11th Circuit. They're telling you what they're doing. And the mainstream media wants to, again, hear no evil, see no evil. Jordy, how many times do we have to see this play out before we're like, are you going to believe them? Are, are you going to listen to what they're saying? Or are you going to keep hiding behind your fact checks where you parse words here and there and go, they're never going to take away Roe. They said it was settled precedent. So believe them when they say it, despite all evidence to the contrary. No, absolutely. We talk about the GOP Handmaid's Tale video that we had released about the young lady crossing the border with her mother and then getting pulled over by the police. When we released that ad, we initially released that ad back in 2021. Way before the 20, road, 2020, 20, you're right. Sorry, 2020, way before the decision came to the court. We just saw where things were going and heading towards at the time. We tried to sound the alarm and we were called alarmists. 
And we were actually kind of, you know, flagged by people on our side. Hey, you guys may be taking it a little bit too much, too far. Breitbart wrote an article about us calling yeah, us I think alarming. we got a Breitbart. I think we got a Daily Caller. I think we got all those people. But then we got people on our email list. Then we got people on Twitter and stuff who said, guys, this is outrageous. Stop scaring people. Stop. Roe is here. It's the law of the land. Stop scaring people. And now I'm like, hello, are you going to pay attention or are we going to be doing this a year from now and you're not going to have your Social Security? You're not going to have your Medicare. You're going to be put on the street because of these people. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to vote. Like we need to all be sounding the alarm right now this, and truly understand the, the strangest thing. And I don't want to be like, just, okay, just talk about Midas touch, you know, but like this pro-democracy network, there's, it, it really is a unique concept. And, you know, I go back to this one comment, they were like, and the person said it sarcastically, they were like, who would have thought there's a market for calling traders, traders. And when <laughs> you and I, when we talk about it, us three, it does surprise me. It's like, why isn't anybody else doing this? Like, it should be so obvious to call it out, to criticize it, to condemn it, and then offer the solutions to these things that are staring us in the face. But, you know, I, I think, again, the strength of what we've been able to build is rooted in the Midas Mighty community of people, because this isn't just like a network. And when you become just a network, you're beholden to special interests, you're beholden to corporate interests, you're beholden to trying to both sides the issue. We don't have to worry about that, because it's a movement fueled by all of you. And but it's why it's so critical that we call all of this out because if we don't call it out, who else is calling it out, right? I go back to that quote, right? First, they came for the socialist and I didn't speak out. I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist. I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. We need to speak for our democracy. We need to speak for each other against these gaslighters. Because when these people come into power, if they come into power, it's not fear-mongering. We know what they're going to do. They are coming for us right now. They are coming for you right now. And we have an incredible opportunity, though, to prevent that from happening, from reversing that tide of what's happening. And I just want to briefly switch gears, though, too. And I want to talk about the good news about what's going on. But first, we have to also talk about, though, this Marjorie Taylor Greene piece of it. Oh, we, because, we, we get we get into this. Oh, we got to get it. We got to totally get into Marjorie Taylor Greene's divorce. Like, let's analyze everything. Here's why we have to get into it. <laughs> Here's why we need to talk about Marjorie Taylor. See, this, this is the part of the show where if we were in live, we'd probably be like. About, I actually thought about us not discussing it. <laughs> but for someone who you know, is asking for their privacy to have just last week kicked a, an activist um, from Voters of Tomorrow from a few years back, harassing David Hogg, Parkland survivor, stalking and harassing. Yeah. It is just so, maybe this isn't the right word, but ironic that now she's asking for her privacy. How about this, Jordy? They literally repealed the right of Americans to privacy. They were, they were, The constitutional right of privacy. I don't really look at the end of the day. Do I really care one bit about, you know, her actually the inside arrangements of her marriage? I don't I don't care about it. But what I do care about, though, is that she condemns the way other people be, you know, are she condemns other marriage. She acts like marriage is like a traditional. But meanwhile, she's out like apparently like. You know, and like, and by the way, everyone can have whatever relationships that you want, exactly. but don't go and start utilizing your platform to condemn, 
you know, if but if she wants to have a, a you know a relationship and be you know whatever she does with the with the gym with her with her like, we go, go you know whatever, but stop, but don't stop coming after everyone else's man. We yeah, want to love. Stop we want to love holier than now, and you're the one who who's committing adultery behind and, people's. Like, what are you doing? And, and then kind of go, please respect my privacy. Please respect my privacy. It's the ultimate gaslighting 101. We don't have to go into it deeper than that, Brett. I think that's, that's good. Right. That was well, good. I, I, I hope that perhaps she could uh, <laughs> drop out of the race to spend time with what's left of her family. Good news. Should we talk about good news? Uh, good news under the radar, which we're taking into the radar because it needs to be actually reported on. Let's talk first about manufacturing jobs have now surpassed pre-pandemic levels. There's 67,000 more factory workers than before the pandemic, to be exact. And I know that MAGA Republicans and Republicans are literally trying to do everything they can to destroy the economy. It's like a freaking sadistic tug of war right now with like literally Democrats and pro-democracy and independents like just trying to like go about like are just doing things right and normal. And we literally have an insurgent like terrorist political party that engages in every way to harm America and to harm the economy. I mean, they've been trying to do it now for some time. I mean, literally you have Greg Abbott in Texas who was like trying to like shut down the border. And then you had even people from Texas, like Ted Cruz trying to shut down the Northern border and encourage like, you know, uh, uh, economic terrorism, shutting down bridges and trying to stop trade from happening. Anything to own the libs, I guess, is like, let's own the libs by destroying America. That's what basically MAGA Republicans you know, try to do. But Biden is just fighting for jobs every single day. One of the stats that I saw, I don't know if you saw this, Jordy and Brett. And Jordy, I like to I see how that I do growth. more, Jordy. That's growth right there. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Leaning in on like leaning in <laughs> on unions and leaning in like, you know, look, when people are sick, they deserve sick leave. Right. Like that was a major issue with the potential strike that was taking place with uh, freight workers. Right. Like like making sure that people have rights at the workplace and would always just like shocks me still at some of these like fascist circus Trump rallies is when you see people there in the crowd who, you know, you know, are benefiting from uh, the Affordable Care Act, which they Republicans want to appeal, will repeal, you know, you know, they're likely on, you know, either Medicare or they're on Social Security or will be on Social Security soon, which Republicans are trying to repeal. Like, you know, that they are availing themselves of all of you know the things that democrats are fighting for yet they're like let's own the libs by you know whatever it's ridiculous and i mean it's the same thing that we were kind of talking about earlier with desantis where they do all those distractions they have all those crazy rallies they rile people up about these issues that they really shouldn't care about like about pronouns or about, you know, whatever QAnon conspiracy theory they have that day, Mr. Potato Head, you green name M &M. it, they, green M&M, they were Lizzo's flute, they rile them up. 
while they are stealing from them so that they don't realize what they are doing. And in the background, you have all these good things happening in the Biden economy that frankly, not even the mainstream media is giving nearly enough attention. That's why I'm excited to be able to have our show here where we could actually talk about a lot of the good out there in the world that's going on. I mean, just think about this. The typically jobs don't come back from factories once they're lost. Like if you go back to the seventies, jobs do not come back after a recession in factories. This is the first time since the seventies, the first recovery after a recession in which factory jobs have actually returned and not only returned in this case, but have exceeded their previous numbers. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, these are union factory jobs. It's a huge win for workers. And I think it's important that we're that we're constantly fighting for workers in this economy. I mean, they are the backbone of this economy. And we just see constantly kind of Democrats fighting for over and over again, kind of just regular working people. And then Republicans just get incredibly mad about it nonstop. We saw this with the whole student debt issue recently, where everybody knows by now a Biden's plan to cancel $10,000 in student loan debt for those making less than 125K a year or households with 250. That gets an additional 10K for Pell Grant recipients. And now you have all of these right-wing states. You have all these Republican states suing the Biden administration to try to make sure that Americans are burdened with student loan debt. I mean, it is so comically evil and it is such a strange hill to die on in general, but especially 40 days out of the midterm, your big move is going to be, let's sue the Biden administration to make sure that hardworking Americans are forced into student loan debt. It is just beyond parody. So the states are suing we already saw this lawsuit come and go from this Pacific Legal Foundation, this Koch-funded right-wing group, uh, where they basically said, oh, this is extreme government overreach by the Biden administration. I think they filed that on Tuesday. It's Thursday, and that case has already been struck down by the judge, swiftly dropped. So, so, so there, just to break it down in the most basic terms, the person was like, um, I'm suing you because you're forcing me to get my loans forgiven. And then so Biden was like, okay, well then don't do it. You don't and have to opt like, in. You don't have to opt in and then we won't forgive it then. And so then the court was like, then you're not really injured. You don't have standing to sue because you didn't, you weren't harmed. And so now they want to change their pleadings. They want to do an amendment to claim now how this harmed them in a different way. The one thing I want to point out, and I apologize because I don't know who tweeted it, but I, 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 whoever tweeted it was great. Maybe it was you, Brett. Maybe it was someone else. Um, this says, the Republican Party hypocrisy at work. The Republican Party wants you to know that the student loan cancellation will cost $400 billion over the next 30 years. But what the GOP doesn't want you to know is that their tax policy, which was their tax cuts for billionaires, from January 27th to January 2021, cost America $2 trillion in the first year and $7.5 trillion in four years with very little, if anything, to show. And I've talked about this over and over again. You know my trickle-down concept. Like, trickle, trickle, me, trickle, 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 trickle. Exactly. For those watching, they're like, what, are, what the hell are you guys doing? Um <laughs> But the idea of that the Republicans lean into this view of trickle down economics and that anybody but a billionaire 
would cheer on the notion that rather than give the money to you, we're going to give it to your CEO. And hopefully your CEO then trickles it to you versus the democratic plan, which is we will give it to you. And then we will go from the middle up versus trickle it down. Like who is rooting for, you know what? Don't give me that money. I don't want that shit. I give it to my boss. I give it to him. He may buy a Lamborghini. And then from the Lamborghini, that sale may result in a auto parts piece. And I may then work for this. And then maybe I'll see a little bit of that just trickle and hit me. Like, why wouldn't you want it directly? Which, which average American roots to be trickled on? Here's why. Here's the average American. <laughs> Lizzo's flute. Lizzo's flute. Whoa, wait, what did they do? They just stole $2 trillion from me. I was too busy worrying about Lizzo's flute the whole time. I mean, and can't, Biden's cut the deficit. Like <laughs> every one of the issues, like Republicans, $7.5 trillion in four years was the unfunded tax no system. no funding no, mechanism no funding. for those tax no cuts funding. it goes to 1% of americans as opposed to student debt relief which is actually a like 46 million americans benefit from student debt relief which are the which is the one that republicans have the problem with i think it shows you exactly who the republican party is working for it's as clear as night and day other great updates, Medicare Part B premiums will decrease in 2023. This is the first time they will decrease in over a decade, and that matters to most Americans. They're just doing normal stuff too, like Biden administration unveiling new measures that would require airlines to be more transparent with customers about the fees they charge and provide ways for customers to see the money they are owed in the event of flight cancellations and delays. The Senate has also voted 72 to 25 to pass a short-term stopgap government funding bill that will extend government funding until December 16th. The bill also includes $12.3 billion in aid for Ukraine, which will now go to the House, which it will consider the bill um, tomorrow. Uh, Biden administration announced their plan to end hunger in the U.S. by 2030 during the first White House conference on health and nutrition in 50 years. Like at this point, Biden's like, yo, I'm just going to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to end hunger right now. I'm the White House plan hinges on an $8 billion in commitments from the private sector to help fight hunger, including $4 billion that will be dedicated by philanthropies that are focused on expanding access to healthy food. I mean, all critical stuff, but like, He's putting in the work, right? We're talking about Inflation Reduction Act, right? We're talking about the Infrastructure Act. We're talking about the PACT Act. I mean, chips. I could go down the list. Yep. The CHIPS Act, the, you know, the biggest investment in the American semiconductor industry in history, bringing jobs here. Any one of these would be a gigantic accomplishment for any president. He's, I, he's done multiple. I, I think they should start trolling the GOP with legislation and start naming them after the boring shit that they pretend to care about, like all the fake stuff. Like there should be like the flute bill, like that should be a bill, like the M&M bill should be a bill, the Dr. Seuss bill. Like we should just start throwing out all these things and be like, oh, you, that's what you care about? Well, maybe you'll care about it when it's actually in this bill and stands for whatever it stands for. I think it's a brilliant, I think it's a brilliant concept. Oh, I, 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 I'm I, actually I, not I, tracking that line of thought at all, but I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let Ben take it from 
Yeah. I'll explain it to you after the show. All right. Well, look, here's <laughs> though. thinking about everything we talked about on this podcast and, and this episode for Good me. Episode. Yeah. But for me, here's the thing. The reason that I always say this, the reason I'm a Democrat is not because I love the donkey logo. It's not because like, you know, to me, like the Democrat team is like oh, the cool Democrat team. Like there's only one group of major political party that exists right now that is doing the responsible thing. They're acting like adults. There's difficult compromises that need to be made and getting shit done is tough. But at least we have a party that's like taking it seriously. They're taking it seriously domestically. They're focusing on who our allies are. You know, we're not selling out our country to Vladimir freaking Putin and Kim Jong-un like the MAGA Republicans do. And we're focused on actually helping people with actual solutions. And, and that's the only reason why I like Democrats right now. If Democrats start acting like Ginny Thomas and she's start going, well, I'm going to talk about why. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, you know, for real, right? If, if if we start having people like that who are like, well, we go one, we go all <laughs> big, you know, release the Kraken. I'd be I'd be so done in two yeah, freaking minutes. I'd, I'd be out. I'd be like, what are you talking about? And we need to grow this pro democracy. <laughs> You like that impression? Of I Jenny. love that. Did I love know Jenny. I was do it? No, it's almost like every episode Ben breaks out a new impression. I'm always totally surprised by it, but I'm always impressed. hundred percent. The Don Jr. one that I do like is is a pretty. And last week I brought out my Ted Cruz, which I don't know if I'm going to have it now, but you got Ted Cruz. We're, we're all going to work on our every, impressions. Yeah. Well, and we're going to we, do a whole we, show in other people's voices one of these days. Yeah, like the, we call it just bad impressions. But anyway. Yeah, and we'll uh, lose all of our subscribers. I, <laughs> I am so glad to be back, though, right now, working in full effect from Italy. I had a great trip out there. I loved Milan. I mean, it is a very, very beautiful city steeped in history. I got to see a lot of really cool things out there. I had to do some of my other work as a practicing litigator. I don't. I, I think I could announce this here for the first time on the Midas Touch podcast as well, that starting next spring, I will also be a USC law professor. Ah, I'm, going to be on. A, I'm going to be a lecturer at USC You're law. You're just trying I think, to find out how to like, like give me more plates. Did you not please. Did you not tell Jordy? I knew this. Find I out know what awesome. are you talking about? You didn't know I was going to be a USC law professor? Hold up. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's basically going to be it's basically going to be Ben's YouTube videos, but in front of a class. That's that's gonna that's be amazing. Class. Congratulations! No, I have to I have to finish my syllabus soon, but I'm excited for that. So if you want to join that class in the spring semester, you could look it up. They wanted me to publicize it. What so. do you got? Are you going with Mister Mister Ben, Mister Mycellus, Professor Mycellus? Are you guys I, kidding I, I, right now? I don't know if you guys. Are no, 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 no. This no, is very. They're no, going this is Professor Mycellus. Oh my god! In, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Ben got an email. I don't even know. He'll probably be mad at me telling this. Ben got an email from USC, and it was just a general email saying when classes were starting a few weeks ago and it was like you ever have those nightmares where like you wake up and you think you missed an exam or something i ben got to have those Ben got terrified that his class that he was teaching was in like two days and that he had to come up with the entire syllabus in two days and that he hadn't been working on it. Ben was like, I swear I'm starting in the spring. Why did this? I'm, I swear it was the spring. I've never seen just a look of panic on his face until he realized it was just a generic email about the, uh, the semester in general. But well, it's it was so great spending this time with Congrats, you brothers. Man. Thank you everyone from the Midas Mighty for watching this for real though. Now is the time to go to patreon.com slash 
Midas Touch. We're not funded by any outside investors at all. If you want to help grow this network, if you like this independent media content that you get nowhere else, help Sign up. grow help grow this. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Now is also time to go to store dot midas touch.com get your official midas touch gear at store dot midas touch.com the rovember shirts are selling out fast the roro your vote shirts and the convict 45 shirts are also selling out fast we got a bunch of other great pro democracy gear as well at store dot Midas touch.com. And now make sure you hit the subscribe button right now. Last time I checked, what are we at? 606,000 subs, 607. We just hit 500. All of a sudden we blew past 600. Thank you hit so the much. Subscribe everybody. button right now. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do me this favor, go over to wherever you get your audio podcast and hit subscribe. If you're listening to this on audio, go to the YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Just search Midas Touch, hit subscribe. That helps grow this channel. We are so grateful for each and every member of the Midas Mighty fighting with us in this movement for our democracy. Brett, any final words before you kick it to Jordy? No, I think at this point, I really love doing, I'm just going to say, I loved, love, love doing this live format. Super cool to be able to be this interactive with everybody. Uh, thanks for sticking with us as we go on our tangents and doing our impressions and stuff. But but this is a lot of fun and we're going to be here. We got a lot of great initiatives coming up. We're just fighting every single day. We got 40 days to the midterms. We just want you to be in this fight with us. And we are so thankful that you are so engaged and that you are in this fight with us because the change starts with you. I want everybody to always remember that it starts with you having these discussions taking the information that you got here that you got throughout your day and then taking it out into the real world and your influence is exponential never think that you are just oh i don't have that many followers or i don't have that no you have the power and i know because i could speak firsthand as somebody who two years ago was just having these rants to my brothers in my living room so on that note i'm going to turn it over for jordy and thank you everybody for a great show jordy shout out to the midas mighty at midas touch we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability that's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.